Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of Big Shiny Takes. I'm one of your hosts, Eric, and I'm joined, as always, by one of my friends, Marino Greco. Always? Every I'm single time? Here. Every single time? Yeah. It's, it's nice to be back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, go on. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, we missed you last time. We're happy to have you, too. I'm also joined by another one of my co-hosts, Jeremy Appel. Here's Jeremy. <laughs> I feel like that's like a thing that I should have said for you, but I like that you did it yourself. It shows initiative. This week, we have a very special guest. We're joined by Faye Johnstone. Faye, welcome to Big Shiny Takes. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm hyped for the, the convo today. Yes, it's going to be a good one. I think it's, this is kind of like a necessary episode because the National Post does a lot of bullshit and writes a lot of nonsense. But typically that stuff doesn't negatively impact people's lives directly. This column is probably up there with one of the worst things I've ever read in a newspaper. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think as far as like the standard National Post fare, like honestly doing this podcast, I felt a little like, oh, it's, you know, it's getting a little routine. We're seeing the climate change denial. We're seeing the uh, free speech articles. They're all sort of sounding the same. But what's going on in this article is just so sneaky and dishonest and it's one of the most i think disgusting articles we've read and that's quite saying something yeah it's it's absolutely filthy and it's an unsigned editorial but uh given the fact that it's unsigned i think we can blame national post opinion editor carson uh jeremiah uh for um if not writing this shit Though it does have his completely uh, vapid and dull prose, then at least copy and pasting it into, uh, you know, page design uh, <laughs> software. I'm sitting, I'm like, this has Barbara Kay's fingerprints all over it. I can like see her pitching the article. I can mm. see her being like, this is a great way to screw over trans people. Wouldn't it be fun? Um, like 100%. I, I, I think the two of them made it happen together. Yeah, it's... The only thing that makes me think it isn't Barbara Kay is the fact that she didn't proudly display her name on the top of it because she's such a, like a virulent transphobe. And I mean, she was homophobic before uh, the editorial standards changed at the National Post where that was no longer publishable. But like whoever's responsible for this one didn't even have the common decency to leave their fingerprints on this train wreck, you know? Well, well, to be fair, like unsigned editorials are are like, uh, you know, increasingly anachronistic practice, but they do, uh, you know, they do st- still um, um, pop up, you know, from the editorial board, which means um, and usually it's just one person from the editorial board who writes it. I think Barbara is probably too busy uh, writing for the Epoch Times. <laughs> you know comforting her son and his struggling career like i think those two things like they're a couple full-time jobs in my books yeah that's true she's giving john a doggy bath (laughs) (laughs) faye you're sort of getting to know jonathan online these days aren't you oh oh he's he's i I think i think he searches my name every 20 minutes just to just to have something to do as his career suffers (laughs) that man is such a loser oh my and he uh i um I uh, got into it with his friend, Matt Gurney, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, they're part of the same fucking boys club of boring white guys who think the status quo is fucking great. Uh, and, they, you know, they wish it wasn't, but it, it just is. 
Um, and uh, he told me <laughs> with a hint of irony that I seem like a very uh, uh, happy and well-adjusted person. And it's like, John, how much time you got? <laughs> how much time you got? <laughs> like, obviously, there's the dog shampoo thing, which, you know, is is, is sort of low-hanging fruit. There's also the time uh, he tweeted about how he wears a helmet on airplanes. <laughs> there's also him, like, literally spending all day on Twitter harassing trans people when he's not, like, editing a fucking phrenology mag. I mean, this guy's the lowest of the low, right? And we would love to just not talk about him because he doesn't deserve uh, any attention. But fact is, he can take a shit on a piece of paper and the National Post will run it um, unedited. So... That's the situation we find ourselves in with all these fucking goblins. And it, and it is what scares me is the like, like, so I, I, you know, they're, they're atrocious humans. They have no critical analysis. They have like next to no ability. Like they are, they're reflective mm-hmm. of the seventies and eighties, even if they weren't alive in the seventies and eighties, but they're also like sneaky. Uh, they are like, again, like the national post article, it is trying to drive a wedge and to cre- like it, it's trying to scare a middle class white moms in suburbia and make them think that there's a scary trans person showing up in their bedroom, medicalizing their kid. Uh, and that's when it's like, that's when it gets dangerous. I would love for them to just be stupid folks doing their own thing, but it's the platforms they're given that make this mm-hmm. a crisis. Yeah. And I think you touched on the part that makes this column specifically gross is the framing of like, Oh, we're just concerned. We're, we're trying to look mm-hmm. after the kids. And, and trying to make it some sort of medical issue. I, I find it like incredibly creepy the way that uh, the National Post is trying to frame this as like we're protecting children. We have everyone's best interests in mind. It's disgusting. They're, they're, they're literally recreating the like the 70s trope of the dangerous trans woman who's a pedophile. Like that is mm-hmm. all like it's the same. Even in, in the peak of anti-gay hysteria, you saw the same stuff, right? Like you saw media depicting trans women as like the scariest future that trans rights, the gay rights that same-sex marriage would give us. Uh, And they're playing into that same cultural idea that's still in our lexicon from the 70s. They're recreating it Mm -hmm. and they're reviving it. uh, And we're not ready for that, right? Like we, you know, a lot of Canadians think that the world's a better place now, but as soon as you hit society with a trope like this and you echo it across a dozen a hundred a thousand platforms it takes root once again and that's what scares me about this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's it's not the the first time the national post has published something like this but considering the timing of what's happening the you know the creeping rise of fascism we can see in North America and really across the world and the increased violence against people in the LGBTQ community. It's really scary that the National Post would be this irresponsible in their communications. And I I do feel like saying irresponsible is giving them too much credit because I do think this is kind of part of the plan. Like they do this thing where (laughs) where they start pushing ideas before public discourse catches up. Like we we were seeing a bunch of let's privatize healthcare stuff about this time last year. And now all of a sudden it's a thing that everyone's talking about, right? And none of the columns were good. They're just very plentiful. Not to get too conspiratorial, but I I do think like this is them setting the stage for um incredibly toxic conversations. And and that's what it feels like, right? Like like we can we can, you know, a friend of mine looked at the National Post columns on trans people over the last decade. 
and like clearly trace that every year they publish more anti-trans rhetoric, anti-trans hate. And, and so mm-hmm. I actually think they are planting the seeds. And I think they're learning from the UK and the US. They're learning what wedge issues to lean in on. And you can see that all over this latest column. It is very much just trying to create the same wedge between trans rights and, and children's health um, that appeals to, you know, again, largely middle class, cisgender, straight white women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you know, that's what got Trump elected. That made a whole impact there. And they're realizing that they can make a wedge on our issues like they haven't been on other issues. Yeah, I don't have like insight into the National Post's editorial board or what kind of conversations that go in there or into the heads of fine people like Barbara <laughs> Kay or John Kay or whatever. I'm sure some of them truly think that they're offering a more reasoned approach. I'm sure some of them straight up just hate anyone in the LGBTQ community and want to like resuscitate these arguments. And, but it's, it doesn't matter what their intentions are. The whole project is totally insipid and just wrongheaded. It's backwards. It's completely selfish and completely based in their own perceptions and completely like it's just making up things about, you know, like apparently people who are trans are all just like they all want to do backsies takes these backsies and it's really hard to do takes these backsies on this but they like they lean into so so you know so for example one of the main rhetorical arguments that anti-trans groups makes is the idea of detransitioners the idea of detransitioners Mm -hmm. is like this huge group of people who were forced to you know access medical interventions and if you actually take a step back and look at the data the regret rates for accessing gender-affirming care at any age are lower than the regret rates for almost any other comparable medical intervention, be that cancer treatment, treatment for a broken leg, be that accessing mental health supports and antidepressants. We actually have a care model that is a better rate of success than most others do, and that is what these folks are making a crisis about. It's absolutely oh my God. ridiculous. It's a, it's, a, it's a cult. There's nothing here but cult-like behavior. <laughs> it's such a good way of putting it because they're trying to base it in science, but like the science doesn't agree with them. You know, like it's, it's, they're like, oh, we're not, you know, we're not bigoted. We're gender critical. And really it's like, you can frame it whatever way you want. It's still bigotry, right? Like it's, it's still like the same outcomes occur the same the same hate crimes are still going to happen because of like the invective that they use so i don't want to read this column um i already have and i i feel like we are going to put our listeners through listening to this column because i i i feel like it needs to be done you know like this this is one of those ones that i i feel like is important and it's like listen i i make a podcast and i don't want to be like i'm you know I'm basically the troops. I'm a hero and you all need to respect that. But this is something that I do feel like, you know, we actually should be reading, especially when the National Post decides to uh, fuck around like this. So we've talked a lot about it, but we haven't actually read it. Do we want to get into it? I'd say so. I'd say it's uh, around, around about that time. Yeah. All right. From the National Post view, first of all, very brave to not include your name on this thing. Canada must slow down and reform transgender treatments for minors. Uh, okay, Eric, like let, let's start there, right? When did we <laughs> speed up? When did we speed up transgender treatments for minors? What are transgender 
treatments for minors. Like literally, you know, I, I hear stories of kids on two and three year wait lists. Where, where did we speed this up? We have no ability to give kids the care they need. Like gender clinics are struggling to serve every kid because no government will give them money because too many governments are anti-trans. Like, mm-hmm. when did we speed this up? When did that happen? I'm, I'm absolutely like, I just don't understand. It's just like the fantasy world that is the National Post editorial room. Some doctors have been advised to start children on puberty blockers before they have had their first appointment at a gender clinic. Which doctors? Like, I, like, after, like name them. Which doctors? I'm pretty sure they cited a UK or US example in this context. Like, these kids are still getting access to care. No one's getting access to hormones without accessing a primary care service provider because that's how you get a prescription for hormones. They, they, they quote one doctor, uh, one Canadian doctor at Sick Kids uh, in Toronto in like, yeah, they're transphobic doctors. So uh, that, you know, that doesn't uh, um, surprise me. I, I, I would be interested in seeing what the uh, broader medical consensus on this is. But of course, uh, you know, the, the other doctors are just postmodern, uh, you know, neo-Marxist, Leninist. Just for context, we have a big photo at the top of the column. It's got a sign in front of a building. It's just the Tavistock Center, which is, it was a gender clinic that was shut down in England, like much to the celebration of terrible people like Barbara Kay. Right. And as we know, uh, the United Kingdom uh, has no problem with transphobia. <laughs> no. It's just they're just following they're following the science, right? And, and so the, the, the following, like it's the, no it's, ideology. It's the same stuff that we saw with, like, that we're seeing in Texas, right? It's like if you take a bunch of pseudoscience, you put it on the right press release, you can convince a whole lot of people about a whole lot of things that have absolutely no basis in medical practice in any evidence, you can fear monger and people will eat it up. Mm -hmm. I like I read that piece that your friend put together about like the misinformation in the National Post. And it really like it, it just leads to the conclusion that the Post is uh, an explicitly transphobic paper, right? Like it's spreading misinformation. It's always, always negative. Um, It always paints these like incredibly transphobic bigots as like sort of either misunderstood, they're like softer on them than uh, the people that they've been harassing for years and years. I think it, like I'll I'll put it in the show notes so people can read it. But I'm gonna jump back into this. Uh, the modern revolution around sexual identity is an inspiring triumph of personal freedom. People are far more free to be who they are than they have ever been. Which <laughs> whoa, they stopped being anti-gay. The National Post <laughs> stopped hitting gay people. In one column, they are now no longer the bigots of our past. They just hate trans people too, and or instead. Well, they have Adam Zivo uh, writing for them, uh, who I'm told is an LGBTQ uh, icon. <laughs> he he, uh, he wrote a column about wanting uh, cops at Pride again. I do appreciate how the it's the lens is a uh, uh, personal freedom. That's why it's good. You know, I just sort of I feel like they're talking about another kind of personal freedom in a sense. You know what I mean? Even though the personal freedom to be who you are is good. Um, It's just, it's an appeal to like liberal values, right? They're like, see, like we care about the same stuff that our readers care about, you know, individualism and all that. And then, I mean, this is the last point where 
this column could be salvageable. It's like we go past these ads and it's it's over. <laughs> no, exactly. It's like people are more free to be who they are than they have ever been. And now here's why that's a bad thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so fucked up that they did this. They always do this too. Like I always start off by being like, you know, here's a thing. Things are good. And then they're like, maybe things should not be good. <laughs> and they just um... you know you gotta you gotta be careful like the national post guards their editorial process really closely if it if the, if the world knows that it's good thing and then a whole lot of pseudoscience they might wake up to how bad the national post actually is <laughs> that's right it's like kfc's um blend of herb and spices uh, it, it's such it's such hackery and this this, I mean, it's in the running for, like, the worst newspaper in the entire fucking world these days, but, like... Oh, I've long said it is. It's, like, way worse. Like, well, I, I'm sure there are actually UK tabloids that are worse than than the National Post. But, like, we're talking about, like, broadsheet newspapers. Like, it is the fucking bottom of the bottom. Like, it's not even suitable to line a birdcage with. Like, that's fucking animal abuse. All right, should I jump back into this? Hit us with that butt. <laughs> but <laughs> recent events bring cause for a bit of caution involving minors who may be rushed into decisions that can be difficult to reverse as they mature and evolve. Just a bit of caution. Just a bit of caution. Yeah, d- there's no there's no hate speech that's going to follow. Just we're, we're just urging a bit of caution against the transgender hordes who are trying to convert your children. <laughs> I just love the like I, I we're keeping this in, but the transgender horde. That is actually how these people think about us. I'm like, we are like yeah. maybe 0.5, maybe one percent of the population, and we are hordes and we wield power and we are you know orchestrating governments and orchestrating changes in society. And there's like, you know, there's like 10 of us just like chilling, trying to like not be poor. Like that that is the trans saga. <laughs> Well, it's it's very national post to take a group of people who are just trying to live their lives and then have them frame them as some sort of like architects of society's destruction in this way. It's also like that lead sentence is horrible in this graph, right? Like it's like recent events might, you know, bring cause for concern because these people may be being rushed into a decision that could be difficult to reverse farther down the line like there's there's like three qualifiers there that they're like well maybe maybe this they is an issue to a lawyer and they were like we're less likely to be, to be accused of a hate crime if we put 17 caveats into the first sentence <laughs> it's so true but it's also like it's like a useless sentence now like it's yep. like they don't even have like the the bravery to be as big as as they want to it's just that, sorry, I, you just can't even like, I appreciate Faye like confirming my beliefs, but just like reading that, it's just like, if you make that kind of decision as a person, even when it's young, it's like the same thing about just thinking about having same sex attraction. You just know like who you are, like what you're about. Like, where is like, honestly, like I, I worked in mental health, like, you know, we, we give antidepressants to young kids at all kinds of ages. And we're okay mm-hmm. with it. And, and a lot of the time, like, again, a lot of the time that is the right call. But, like, this isn't a scandal. This is health care that we've been provided for, providing for decades. This is health care that we've been providing to cis people for decades. Because many cis people have weird hormonal stuff going on. 
Like there's nothing radical going on here. This is just like everyday healthcare that every single family doctor is capable of providing. Oh, I don't like this next sentence. Okay. Canada must, must reform its policies on treating youth who identify as transgender and put an end to blindly affirmative care. That's in quotation marks uh, that rushes children to medical transition. It should instead adopt the United Kingdom's new treatment model which focuses on mental health and recognizes that some young people identify as transgender to cope with trauma. Yeah, we should learn from fucking Turf Island <laughs> to to fucking uh, vilify trans people as a bunch of crazies instead of actually fucking um, addressing the root cause of why so many trans people uh, suffer from mental illness because they live in a society that fucking rejects them. This is such paternalistic thinking. It's so similar to how like the, the words blindly affirmative, like it's so dismissive of like people's reality. So like, no, we know better. You know, you're not old. Ugh. You know, so if I take a step back, right, like let's, let's think about trans healthcare in Canada, right? Most of these clinics emerged in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, most of them never received significant government funding, never received significant support. And we've been calling for decades to have more trans mental health services for more supports for trans kids. But these folks have absolutely checked out of that conversation and instead said, okay, well, these kids have some mental health issues. Let's deny them access to health care. The children's rights, like, like I come from children's rights. I come from a world where kids have the right to access healthcare without their parents, because in many contexts, that is in the best interest of a child. Kids have mm. every right and every capacity to access medically necessary healthcare. And our mental, our, our, our healthcare system already has the checks and balances to make sure that those kids are supported. They're creating a conspiracy theory here when literally all of this healthcare is provided by medically accredited family physicians whose entire job is to make sure that we don't give some kid medication they aren't ready for. And they're already making sure of that. It would just be great if they made sure of that while also having support to provide mental health counseling, to provide other services to these young folks. But they mm -hmm. already are doing the work. There's already the checks and balances. I just, I like how like, National Post view here. That's how I'm going to refer to the the author of this thing. Paints like our healthcare system as just a bunch of people just kind of hanging out, just deciding what to do, like not based on science for some reason. But like this this writer at the National Post has like a much better idea of what what care should be. The term gender affirming care is one of the most misdefined by anti trans groups of any other term. Gender affirming never meant you meet a kid. They say they like to have nail polish on, and you imagine that kid is now trans. Gender-affirming care is literally saying, hey, kid, how can I support you? Let's chat about what kinds of interventions and supports that you need. It literally, like, the last thing that we're doing is medicalizing trans kids. We are literally taking their lead. I have been out as trans for a decade. I am not on hormones. I am not on HRT. I have never been pressured by anybody in my community or outside of it to access medical interventions because none, nobody wants to force anybody to access medical interventions because that would be insane. The United Kingdom 
recently shut down its sole youth gender clinic, the Gender Identity Development Service, known as Tavistock, after a scathing interim report was published by Dr. Hillary Cass, who led a government-commissioned independent review of British Gender Identity Services for Youth. I don't know who Dr. Hillary Cass is, and um, the scathing report, I don't know what was so scathing from that, that paragraph, but if anyone would like to enlighten me, please let me know, because the National Post isn't interested in doing that. So they love they love to quote things out of context. So there is a quote that says, you know, there was too much, there was ideology at play within. And I would question the root of that quote, even if this is an independent review, because as Jeremy said, we're talking about Turf Island here. Um, <laughs> but then the next line was because this, like it, it highlighted the lack of resources. It highlighted the fact that services were overwhelmed. And because they were overwhelmed and no one was stepping in to support them, they didn't have the resources available to make sure every kid got the quality of care that every single child deserves. In Canada, there are serious concerns that many of the criticisms raised in the CAST report are applicable to Canadian health care as well. Okay, uh, The CAST report criticized Tavistock for instituting an unquestioning affirmative approach where it is automatically assumed that youth who identify as transgender are fully and permanently so. According to this report, this approach contradicts standard assessment and diagnosis practices used in almost every other clinical encounter. Literally, that contradicts the concept of a gender-affirming approach. Nothing <laughs> is unquestionable. Everybody's relationship to mm. their gender, to their sexuality, to their world around them is always shifting. A foundation of this approach is that you're allowed to be curious, to explore, to figure out what works for you. And no matter when you're doing that exploration, it is always a good process because this world gives us enough shit that it is going to be complicated to unpack and everyone deserves a space to do so. The way that they try and frame this thing is like you walk into the gender clinic and they immediately like they buckle you into like a conveyor belt that sort of runs you in. And they're like, no, no, you decided when you came in, you're screwed now. Like, like, I feel like it requires a leap. Like you just you have to like you have to be looking for a reason to not want to provide people care to read this and believe it. Uh, Dr. Cass also noted that Tavistock, by fixating on affirming transition, failed to address trans-identifying patients' other needs and ignored their mental health issues, leaving distressed youth undersupported. Well, I, I mean, not to be reductive, but I do feel like providing care would also help with uh, mental health issues. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense the way that they're trying to frame this thing. And it's, set, it's setting up a false dichotomy, right? Like, again, yes, every kid who is struggling with their mental health deserves wraparound supports and access to mental health services, which, by the way, are still mostly private and unavailable, particularly to poor trans kids. And so, yes, again, I agree. Every trans kid deserves access to mental health care. But a depressed trans kid just still deserves access to gender-affirming health care, too. They're pitting the two against themselves and, and, and imagining that it's the gender-affirming side that causes the problem, when the real problem is that because of government underfunding, because of anti-trans hate, these clinics don't have the resources to serve every single kid in the way that they deserve. 
Every clinic is desperate for more funding. Every clinic wants to do all of this care. It's not our fault that governments and transphobes won't let us make it happen. A scandalous lack of data collection on patient outcomes, as well as a dogmatic atmosphere that punished reasonable discussion of the affirmative approach, were also among the many issues flagged in the reports. Uh, I, I feel like my interpretation of reasonable discussion differs from what the National Post view uh, writer might might describe that as. And also, like, the absolute audacity to call anything dogmatic while writing for the National Post is unbelievable. Earlier this week, the National Post reported that Dr. Joey Bonifacio, a respected Canadian pediatrician, always respected, they're always respected, sorry, uh, who specializes in LGBTQ youth, believes that the problems witnessed at Tavistock are also prevalent in Canada. Dr. Bonifacio is a former member of the Sick Kids Hospital Gender Clinic in Toronto and believes that mirroring the United Kingdom, Canadian healthcare providers need to slow down and provide neutral care that is less eager to begin medical transition. Joey, I, I don't know who Joey is. I've never met the man, but it, everything in this makes it sound like he is a relic of his age, of his time, of a time when trans healthcare mm-hmm. wasn't actually about supporting trans people but fixing trans people. And it sounds like he is reminiscent Mm. of people like Kenneth Zucker and Ray Blanchard, whose agenda was always to stop a trans kid from being trans at all costs and only support that child if every other intervention failed. In no other context of healthcare do we say, let's try a hundred random things and then let's go with the evidence-based medical intervention that we know will help this kid out. It's absolutely absurd. Mm -hmm. When I see that graph, the word that sticks out very apparently for me is former. (laughs) Yeah, it leaves a lot to the imagination, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what happens to Joey. I I find it really disgusting when someone's job is to provide care and they're like, we shouldn't be providing care. Like, we should actually not be helping people. It just seems kind of antithetical. So... Glad he's no longer at sick kids, at least. Um, this is what scares me, though. It is it is the, like, so again, there is actually, I am always open to a conversation about how we can better support trans kids. My issue is that conversation shouldn't be taking place in the anti-trans publication that is the National Post. And it shouldn't be taking place, taking place at the convenience of ideologues who want to restrict our access to care. So Joey is always welcome to send me an email and sit down for coffee. What he's not welcome to do is give a platform to anti-trans bigotry, which is exactly what he's doing this article. Yeah, it's actually, it's kind of surprising that he would <laughs> offer his uh, his opinion up for a column that is like so, so explicitly like set in trying to make things worse for people trying to get access to care, right? Like it just, it seems, well, deeply unprofessional as uh, someone who provides medical care, but also like, just shitty as a human being, I think, is where I'm going to land on that. That's an expression of opinion. I don't think that's libelous. Okay. The parallels between Canada and the United Kingdom are unsurprising. I don't think in the way that this person thinks <laughs> the parallels are there because, like, they're part of the parallel. Both countries are experiencing identical booms in teenagers identifying as transgender. We are seeing a boom in, like, people identifying as trans or non-binary, particularly in our youngest folks. 
What's lacking here is any analysis of how, you know, knowledge about trans people, inclusion of trans people has also experienced a boom across this country. So more kids know that you don't have to sit in your home hitting yourself and your body, and more kids know that there are actually options and interventions that can help you live the life that you know you need and want to live. Yeah, it, it is like such a, an obvious point that they're just like trying to hope that no one would, you know, join the, the or connect the dots there. Uh, because, yeah, like society is less openly hostile. Eric, I don't know, though, that this boom sounds ominous. Can you enlighten us as to a little bit more like the actual figures of this boom? <laughs> I, I do think like the language that they use there is also like incredibly problematic because they try and like make it seem like it's like this unstoppable wave that is you know going to take over it's gonna it's gonna happen to your children like it, it feels like they're scaremongering a little bit the best data that we have says that one percent of young people identify as a gender other than like man or woman they identify as non-binary or they identify as trans people that's still one percent that's one in a hundred kids this isn't a crisis this isn't a, isn't a scandal Look at the data on kids with anxiety, depression, and eating disorders. It's much worse than our issues are. So why is this a headline? And better support for all kids' mental health, not the headline. Mm -hmm. Well, here are the stats that the National Post felt like we needed to know. In Canada, the Trans Youth Can Research Project shows that patient volumes at 10 participating clinics went from almost zero in 2004 to over 1,000 in 2016. That's That's not that many. I know. It's so when you actually hear the numbers, it's so laughable. It like, uh, I mean, not to steal your thunder, but the next line is in the United Kingdom, the number of referrals to Tavistock grew from 50 to in 20, in 2009 to 2,500 by 2020, 2,500 was, that was the size of my high school. That's the entire UK. (laughs) It's like good that it got to that number. It should possibly be more i don't know it's good that people are more comfortable to it, pursue gender affirming it should be as high as it needs to be it should be as high as their people that you know are seeking this care yeah. or you know should be seeking this care like it just it it's incredible to me that like the way that they framed it in this this graph is like zero is the good number and like they don't they don't realize how fucked up that is like they just they just don't want trans people to exist. It's it's ah. It, uh. It's also like 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 on, on an operational level. Like I, I work with gender clinics, right? Like what happens is these gender clinics, you know, they set themselves up, and then kids from their whole region came in to access care. So even in in in, in Canada, you know, Chio, our Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, saw a significant rise in the amount of kids coming to access care. That is one, because yes, more kids felt safe enough to access care. That is two, because parents would bring every single, you know, young assigned male at birth kid who likes nail polish and dresses in and treated as a, as a crisis when maybe that kid just loved nail polish and dresses. And on the same side for trans guys. And like, it doesn't account for the fact that these are kids coming in from all across entire regions of provinces. In all of Ontario, there's like a clinic at uh, in Ottawa. There's a clinic in Toronto. I think there's one in Guelph. And aside from that, if you're under the age of 18, 
you're shit out of luck. You got no options. And so, yeah, numbers are going to rise because when the trans people figure out that you will give them the health care they need, they are going to show up en masse to get that medically necessary health care. In both countries, the majority of new cases were born as girls, 80% in Canada, with neurodivergent children, particularly autistic ones, also being strongly overrepresented. I'm so I, I have to jump in again on behalf of my autistic trans fiance, who is a trans man who would absolutely scream bloody murder about this statistic. Trans people and autistic people have agency and autonomy. They're leaning into every little bit of anti-autistic rhetoric, and they're leveraging it to deny kids access to care. Yes, there are more autistic people who are trans than you would expect. That is because autistic folks are more likely to be able to communicate and, and recognize that gender is a nightmare that messes all of us up. And those kids do deserve access to care, and they don't deserve to be stripped of their rights and their autonomy in the freaking National Post. That's yeah. that's it exactly, right? Like, that's why the Post is is bringing this up, because they're using this as a fact to be like, these kids, you know, are incapable of making this decision for themselves, which is like just maybe the most evil thing I've ever seen in this, this newspaper. And that's like, like, that's what they're building up towards. Right. So in the, in the U S and the UK, it started by restricting care. It started with fear mongering about autistic kids. It started with fear mongering about mental health and mentally ill trans kids. And then it shifted to, we need to ban healthcare for every trans person under the age of 18. And then within weeks, it shifted to, yeah, but if they're 25 years old, are they really aware of what they're doing? Do they really know if they can consent to healthcare? Like, at what point did we start saying that full-grown adults aren't able to consent to medically necessary healthcare? What the hell is this? What is happening? Face touching on some great stuff. It's just the thing that's not being said in this article is again, with that sort of like old fashioned approach to, uh, uh, sorry, I'm so sis. <laughs> You're doing good. You're doing good. <laughs> like, like the overall approach in the past has been, it's a problem that needs to be eliminated. And that's kind of the underlying theme of this. It's like, we still want to keep things low. We still don't want to push it. It's like this last necessary step. Just like, you're just saying it's bad. Be, like being trans is bad. Being autistic is bad. These are bad things. That's what they're saying without saying it explicitly. This, like, this is being yeah. very sneaky. In conversion therapy, in, in the fight against conversion therapy, we talk about the pyramid. At the, at the top of that pyramid is F, like explicit conversion practices. That is the, like the most foul of invasive pseudoscience. At the bottom of that pyramid, you have broader attitudes of anti-trans and anti-2SLGBTQ plus hate. What they're trying to do here is push that pyramid up. They're trying to push a narrative that says the ideal outcome here is that everyone is a straight cisgender child. And that is their end goal. And that is everything. Like they're holding that kid up as the ideal and holding everyone else up as an abomination. And that is what is left unsaid in this freaking column these demographic quirks warrant scrutiny but activists often shut down discussion by asserting that rising trans self-identification is simply because trans youth now feel safer to come out however that explanation is only conjecture and fails to address the astonishing gender skew and overrepresentation of neurodivergent youth how is that not conjecture <laughs> it's 
it's well it's i have that in my notes it's like it's 100 percent conjecture right this whole story about how uh we're we're like pushing people to come out at, as trans uh you know in a society that rejects them that's conjecture mm-hmm the, the 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 idea that trans youth now feel safer to come out is just a fact. I mean, it's still obviously because shitheads can write this garbage in a national newspaper, not as uh, safe as it should be for trans youth. But that seems to be less based on conjecture than this, uh, you know, whatever this editorial is trying to say, which, you know, it won't say explicitly because the the the, the argument is that you should be very scared of of trans people things are changing too fast and we need to slow down and essentially i mean this piece is advocating conversion therapy you have to read it between the lines but what what other conclusion could you come to from from it and it's not a surprise right and again like there's citation of of neurodiverse hey wow the national post discovered neurodiversity they realize that it's not only acceptable to pathologize trans people and autistic people that's so great but also like autistic kids are not like 15% of a population. Like their, their very argument is that this overrepresentation is due to the, the presence of neurodiverse young people. Autistic young people are like less than 1% of the population. Like how do you actually make any sense of this argument if you dive two steps deeper than they do? Because there aren't billions of, tra- of autistic people. Like there, there just aren't. There's like a chunk of them. And they're great, and we should love and support them. But like, they're not driving presence in gender clinics, and they're and no one's converting anybody to be either of these things. That's that's the thing that I I really can't get my head over because like I mean old bigots will be fooled by that, but like the idea of people trying to trick someone into becoming trans like it just doesn't make sense. Period. Like it, it's like, very. What do you get? Like this is one of their go-to tropes, right? Like it is the idea that like being trans is is socially, you know, it's gonna make you of the popular kid, popular kid in your high school classroom. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I am a 27 year old trans lady, and I am tired of being harassed every time I go to the grocery store. I am tired of people looking at me weird. They have no connection to what it is actually like to be a trans person in this world. And they have this idea, like, transness isn't popular. Transness couldn't be popular because if you're a trans kid, you're a hell of a lot more likely to be the bullied kid too. Nobody wants to be, like, I want people to want to be trans. I think that's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing if trans kids are like, it's a good thing to be who I am. I love the aspects of my identity that make me who I am. But, like, there is no, it's never been popular and it never, it, it shouldn't be popular to be a trans kid. Like, it's, I don't even, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. I, I feel like this is one of those things where, like, the bigot is projecting what they're doing onto the people that they're they're harassing, right? Because It's like Barbara Kay living on Twitter and thinking that Twitter reflects reality. Like, let's be yeah. honest here. She just scrolls through trans people's mentions. And it's like, oh, Lord, Jesus, everybody's trans. This is so scary. She's never <laughs> talked to a trans person. She's never talked to a trans kid. This woman is losing her mind on Twitter, and we're all watching it as live cinema. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I, I must I must argue. I agree 
Twitter generally is a bad baseline for reality, but uh, Jeremy's retweet of Barbara Kay, uh, <laughs> which I'm not sure if we can repeat on this pod. Please do. Uh, of course we can. <laughs> yeah, we calling saying that her grave would be a gender neutral bathroom and that getting just like, I believe you ratioed her. Completely. Oh, I ratio her every yeah. time. Like, it's so obvious that, uh, like, half her followers are bots. Yeah. Because, again, she, she, like, she has probably uh, uh, twice as many followers as me. And every single time she comes after me, I ratio her. And, like, yeah, it's because she's an easy target um, because she's old hag no one likes who is just filled with hatred for, like, anyone who doesn't look like her, but yeah, I know it, it, it is uh, darkly amusing. Uh, I called her a transphobic piece of shit on uh, Twitter uh, a couple months ago, and uh, she slid into my DMs to uh, threaten legal action. <laughs> uh, she said she spoke to a lawyer and that that's defamatory and I should watch myself. And uh what do you do when you get that? You screenshot it and say, hey, I thought you supported free speech. And um, that is to date my most uh, uh, viral tweet ever. Just because so many hate people hate her um, because she's such a hateful ghoul. Yeah. That it is really nice to see the hate that um, she spreads come back at her. Yeah, that makes me feel better about, you know... <laughs> dunking on objectively bad people you know? and it's, it's like the, the unspoken thing about all of these folks that gives me like it's what keeps me going and gives me a little bit of optimism is like let's talk about jonathan k's career he's writing for <laughs> Quillet. like he's not writing for the national let's talk about barbara k all she can do is publish like far-right hit pieces in like alt-right media like that's just like let's take a moment to bask in how much these people have floundered and how much the world has left them behind. Cause baby, that is what makes me keep doing the work that I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Whenever it's like someone starts dunking on, on Barbara and she, like her not being an actual reporter comes up. She always talks about how she's like, she has a degree from McGill university or like John's like a Yale lawyer. And it's like, and this is, this is what you managed to do with all that opportunity. This is you write like your son writes for Quillette and you kind of write for the National Post when they they decide that they want to get shitty again. This is it's so sad. <laughs> Very glad you brought that up. And most of her columns, like nobody reads them. Like I'm sorry, like 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 I'm sorry, like she's a legacy columnist. Like, you know, I, I feel sad when I write something and you know it doesn't get all the nice cool quote tweets, but hers never do. But the only time she can get coverage and she, is when she's playing into the anti-trans bigotry. And then she's mostly retweeted by UK Turks. Nobody in Canada <laughs> wants anything to do with her because she's a misogynistic, slut-shaming transphobe, not yeah. to mention a racist. Yeah, and a genocide denier as well. Like, the Ks have some opinions about residential schools that I feel like should not be repeated. Um, yeah, no, they think they were great. <laughs> they, 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 like, they think that the intention behind them was pure, that we just wanted to give them uh you know a better life and to civilize them and uh you know some t individual teachers took things a bit too far and raped and murdered them but you know we a couple of rotten apples what are you gonna do some of the criticisms levied in the cast report are universally applicable for example dr cast noted that the haphazard development of youth gender care turbocharged 
I don't know, turbocharged, uh, by it, surging demand. Something you do to a car. <laughs> means that it has not been subjected to some of the usual control measures that are typically applied when new or innovative treatments are introduced. If this is true in the United Kingdom, then it's also certainly true in Canada too. Medical knowledge, as well as the gaps in said knowledge, knows few national boundaries. Uh, Canada's approach to gender care is like skiing down a mountain while blindfolded and ignoring calls to slow down. And this is exactly why they didn't put a name to this column, because not all of this is pseudoscience. If any actual columnist named themselves in this, they would be opening themselves up to inaccurate medical commentary. These are not like, who wrote this? They're not a medical provider. I can line up 10 medical providers who will tell you that everything in this article is bullshit. I, I would say maybe it's uh, Dr. Uh, Jordan Peterson, but this is way too coherent to be written <laughs> by him. I'm sorry. If there's not a screenshot of his messy room as he's live streams, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> in some ways, the situation in Canada seems more dramatic than what was witnessed in Tavistock, possibly because in Canada, little public debate has, ha- has been had on youth gender care. For example, some Canadian doctors have been advised to start children on puberty blockers before they have even had their first appointment at a gender clinic. The justification is that wait times are long and the drugs may alleviate distress in the meantime. This goes beyond anything seen in the United Kingdom. I got to be honest, I don't think that's true. I I don't think it's it's more dramatic and I, I don't think it's a problem. Well, this doesn't tell you what what do puberty blockers do? Like, ooh, it sounds scary. They're blocking puberty. And, uh, okay, well, is it reversible? Uh, Mr. Uh, National Post View, if that is your real name? I feel like it, this is also, like, a very weird thing to be, like, nebulous about. I feel like if this really were the case, there would be a more highly publicized singular case that we would know about. And this, this is the, the nightmare of my job is when they bring out these, like, red herring arguments. And I'm like, again, like, I am expected to say, Oh, God, no, that's horrible. How dare we do this? But again, where is the name? Where is the case study? Where is the evidence that this is actually happening? And if it is one isolated instance, well, then I'd love to talk with that doctor and figure out what his rationale or their rationale is. But none of Mm -hmm. that is presented here. It is literally like this is nothing but fueling the flames of anti-trans hate and pseudoscience. Sweden and Finland have both reigned in medical interventions for trans-identifying youth. Last year, Sweden banned puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones on most minors, citing a lack of evidence to back up the treatment. Finland is moving towards a model that prioritizes psychosocial support for trans-identifying youth, banning sex change surgeries for minors, while allowing limited medical interventions in special cases. Canada should take inspiration from these countries as well as the United Kingdom. Why? I'm also like, again, I I love the lack of context here, right? Like, what is happening in Sweden? What is the context of this conversation? What's happening in Finland? What is the context of this conversation? Like, again and again, they pull out these, like, like, pseudoscience that is largely being published by anti-trans magazines, and they cite it as facts, and then they lose all of the nuance included therein, which largely cites, time and again, underfunding of gender-affirming care and the inability to ensure wraparound supports for our youngest and most vulnerable people. That is not a problem about trans people. That is a problem about governments not caring about trans people. Yes. Yes, 100%. And, like, again, like, this is all, like, who would this harm? 
Like it just doesn't like it doesn't make sense why anybody would ever be this upset about someone else living their life. Right. It's so because of this like weird use case that we're like turning people trans as if it's like that's some sort of thing that people can do. Um, and then again, like presenting these uh, presenting these actions that are enacted by governments, or as we saw earlier, the respected former gender clinic doctor, <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, well, you know, there, as long as it's official, there's validity to it. And we can use it to create this presupposition that like what Canada is doing is wrong. When you actually unpack the lack of context and everything, like it's just so bad it's it's bad there's no actual mention of what canada is doing like they they actually like they they create mm-hmm. this martyr of like you know every trans kid is being forced down a medical path i'm like they actually have no data to back that up they have no actual analysis that says that we're doing any of this and again the thing that i keep coming back to is it is not a bad thing for somebody to go on puberty blockers and realize it wasn't the right thing for them it's not a bad thing for somebody to go on hormones be that estrogen or testosterone, and realize it wasn't the right thing for them. That is a part of life. That is just like a kid or a a young person who, or any adult who goes on antidepressants and after a few years develops the mechanisms to support themselves such that they might not need those antidepressants. So even if you take a very medical model, none of this actually adds up because it assumes that it is fundamentally bad to be a kid who is going on estrogen, testosterone, puberty blockers and none of that is the case i know people in my own life who have come out as trans or non-binary and later realized there was some other shit going on none of that is a problem that is just part of every individual's care journey and gender journey and so it is only a problem when the national post uses what isn't a problem to create a, a crisis that doesn't actually exist yes it's like it's a completely manufactured thing like and it's based in just them not being comfortable with specific groups existing, which is, shit is so bad. I don't like, I don't want to get into like a, a rant because I know we're running out of time, but like it is it is just like unbelievable to watch this uh, unfold in this newspaper. I hate this because it's so just like directly harmful to people. Like there's like this is going to affect some some trans like kid, this, this, you know this is and aimed that's, at that's every a... parent like it's actually it's not mm-hmm. aimed at, like, mm-hmm. it, it is going to hurt trans kids mm-hmm. but it's going to hurt them the most of their parents because that parent yep. whose kid just came out is going to be trying to find support and they're going to be googling and there's a chance that they'll find the local you know peer group or supportive counseling that will help them deal with their re- feelings and their reaction and there's also a chance that they'll stumble across this article and decide, you know, my kid is not somebody I should support. Literally, this rhetoric results in trans kids being kicked out of their homes. Mm-hmm. That is what mm-hmm. the National Post is playing with right now. Yeah, and just causing direct harm in, like, multiple... Like, this is one of two national newspapers we have in this, like, goofy country that we live in. And it it it's... Even though I, I do feel like it's failing, um, people still read it. And, like... Anytime I read a column, then I'm like, that that was fucking awful. Like, you just know, like, some, like, weird uncle is going to read that and just, like, completely adopt that as their ideology on a specific um, uh, topic. It's just, it's so fucked up. 
My actual okay. wonder here is like maybe this is the National Post like losing their viewership and deciding that like you know the rebel media is kind of successful. If we just replicate what they're doing, maybe people will stop not buying our memberships anymore. With the closure of Tavistock, the United Kingdom will be opening up two regional gender clinics, which will take a more cautious approach to youth gender care, prioritizing mental health support over immediate medical transition. These clinics will also have more resources and professional oversight. They keep hitting that mental health support like tag over and over again. Like it's like they're not making an argument. They just keep saying it until like you accept that it's true whatever they're saying. The new British model will screen out children who may falsely identify as transgender, providing them with the mental health support that they need. Mental health support again. Uh, while ensuring that children who are genuinely transgender, genuinely transgender, genuinely transgender <sighs> receive specialized care, which similar to Finland's may include medical interventions in limited cases where due diligence has been thoroughly exercised. Oh, first, who is falsely identifying as transgender? Nobody is going into clinics. There are people who detransition, yes. There are not people who are falsely identifying as transgender. That is a flat-out lie. Second, we want to provide these young people and all people with mental health supports. These folks, these conservatives, these bigots, they've never called for investment in mental health services. In fact, they spend a lot of their time, generally speaking, calling mental health issues just like young gay kids who are having a hard time in a complicated world. And thirdly, we are not in any way trying to stop kids from access. Like, like everybody already has care that is provided with due diligence. That is what we train our doctors to provide. This is the politicization of healthcare, similar to abortion care, that would not be acceptable for any other kind of healthcare service in this country. What does this screening process look like to determine who is genuinely transgender? I just, I have a hard time seeing that being taken in good like, let's, let's actually talk about that. Like I have heard of clinics that are inspecting kids' genitals, that are talking about masturbation habits. They are bringing a degree of pseudoscience to this in an effort to quote unquote legitimize a trans young person's identity that are an absolute violation of that child's rights and privacy. No kid should be asked about their masturbation habits while accessing healthcare. That's creepy. When you try to prove that somebody is trans, all that you do in a medical process is violate that child's rights. Mm -hmm. And like, of course, like the argument is like, we're doing this to help them. So it's okay that we're doing this. So it's so incredibly fucked up. Like the world these people want us to live in is one where everybody who walks into a gender specific space has to take off their pants to prove they belong there. Like that is actually their end goal. Yeah. That is a violation of everything feminism has ever talked about, of everything, you know, even in a liberal context. That is a violation of everything that liberalism stands for. Like you're telling people to prove their gender by showing their junk. Let people live in their lives with whatever junk they got going. I don't want to see your junk. You don't need to see my junk. We're all happier that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's honestly like the 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 lead sentence was this tenuous uh, celebration of like the liberal understandings of individual rights and freedoms. And then every paragraph since this has been, I mean, in my estimation, explicitly fascist. Um, it, it is it is just so gross to watch this happen. Um and like be allowed to be published 
Like this is just a hateful invective. Like it just it's so so worrisome to see um in Canada. All right, so they're gonna sum up all their dog shit ideas in one concentrated super dog shit paragraph. Forgive me for what I'm about to say. They're not my <laughs> words. Um, please don't take them out of context and clip them and then send them to me years from now. I'm talking to you at home, all, all, all the good folks of the Big Shiny Takes Institute. Canada should ban surgeries for minors and otherwise follow the UK's balanced approach. Otherwise balanced approach. Oh, my God. To curb the excesses of Canada's status quo, protecting children from irresponsible treatment while giving doctors the option to provide medical intervention in in limited cases, but with guardrails to ensure any medication is given only when truly necessary. Oh, baby, can we say conversion therapy out loud? Like, literally, (laughs) literally, they are talking about the same thing that people did in the 70s, where they would do every single experimental treatment before they let a kid access medically necessary care. Also, to bring in the abortion debate once again, we don't, like, it, it is actually a massive overstep for our parliamentarians, for any level of government, to restrict the provision of medically necessary health care. They are calling here for a blanket ban on health care for minors. They are calling, they are alleging there is an excess in the status quo, and this entire article has in no way captured any excess in the status quo. They cite stats from other countries. There is nothing in this article, nothing in this paragraph, that is true in a Canadian context. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I think you nailed it when you said, like, this entire thing is a, a manufactured crisis. Um, the, mm-hmm. the stats that they, they've cherry-picked and kind of misrepresented all the way through it down to just, I mean, being based in, <laughs> based in hate. Like, I, I don't think there's a better way of, of saying that the entire point of this article is to spread hatred. Oh, a- absolutely. Like, they, they are not here trying to support... Like, Again, I am the first one to say we have issues in how we deliver gender-affirming care to all adults. I am the first one to say we need to be better at supporting every person who walks through those clinic doors. But none of that is a rationale to restrict and ban access to care, and that is everything that this article is calling for. It is promoting hate, and it's going to keep more trans kids discriminated against by their parents, denied medically necessary care, and the extreme cases— it's going to get kids kicked out of their homes. So we read like a lot of dog shit columns. Like really, we do um, almost on a weekly basis. This is by far the worst thing we've ever read. And I, I don't think it comes close. I think so. I think so too. Yeah, that's astounding to me. But like, uh. and that's that, like, that is actually what scares me here is, is and again, it, it, it's reflective of tactics in the US and the UK. I, I, I think that a lot of people in our world, not y'all, y'all are great. Um, but a lot of people in our world don't realize that there's still an, an open invitation to hate on trans people. And that that open invitation, it never stop, it never ends with trans people. And that is what scares me about all of this. The next step in this, in this op-ed, the next step in this column is, well, you know, should kids be able to access abortion care? Should kids be able to access medically necessary health interventions of a variety of sorts? They're setting up a, a, an idea of Canada where people are unable to access medically necessary care and where they're stigmatized 
and, and, and pathologize based off their identities. They want every trans kid to be in a psychiatric institute rather than thriving in our society. Mm-hmm. It's, ugh, it's so bleak. So bleak. Fuck you if you greenlit this. <laughs> Fuck you if you wrote or supported this in any way. Seriously, it's disgusting. This is like, we read a lot of stuff that we disagree with. This is very, very sickening, selfish, fascist, and it just has real implications for people just trying to live their lives. That's my take. What you're doing is you're encouraging violence. Um, It's like you should be embarrassed, whoever you are. Um, And also just for being like a spineless piece of shit that you can't even put your name on it. Right. Like I, I get that you're probably afraid of, you know, the legal consequences of just lying to your audience. But if you're going to be hateful, at least have the guts to like give us a target for our response. Right. If you're going to be a bigot, at least have the guts to stand by your bigotry. And again, like the thing that scares mm-hmm. me in all of this is they're planting seeds. Right. Like this does mm-hmm. not stop. Even this does not stop just with an attack on trans healthcare. This does not stop an attack on women's rights. This start the, 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 this will only stop when we have a Canada that looks like it did in the 50s. A Canada where women are marginalized, where gay folks are subjected to hate every time they leave their homes, where trans people are thrown out of stores bodily. That is the world that this column wants. That is the world that this kind of rhetoric is fighting for. And that is absolutely... It's an affront to everything that Canada, even in our most liberal dreams, is meant to stand for. And that is what really point stands out to me with this column. Is It's an affront to everything that, are, that we are meant to be as a country, even in the most liberal, uh, utopian context of such. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a really good place to leave it off. Going to take me a while to shake off this column, but uh, <laughs> typically... We- we try and do a, a palate cleanser at the end of the show, Faye, um, where we talk about good things that we've read, uh, things that maybe any piece of media, really, like TV shows, movies, oh. um, video games, music, uh, things that we've written and would recommend other people to just consume. Um, so I'm going to let Marino kick it off because I have to think about the thing that I'm, I'm going to recommend. Uh, then we'll go over to you right after. But Marino... Sure. Uh, And sorry, dear listeners, if you've heard this before, but I've been absolutely crushed by work. So I haven't had a chance to really read or produce anything lately, but I have been watching a lot of uh, Kaizo Iron Man Pokemon runs where people try to go through a more difficult version of Pokemon games with one Pokemon. And it just actually does create a lot of really dramatic situations where they'll get really far and just like be ended by a counter or something. Beyond that, uh, in terms of real things, uh, I did watch like the first episode of What We Do in the Shadows with some friends yesterday, and that was like, that's right up my alley. Uh, So yeah, that's my uh, recommendations. Oh, that's so good. Um, Faye, what about you? I'm going to recommend my favorite video games because I love my favorite video games. The first is the Dragon Age Saga because it is the best saga of video games you can ever experience. The second is Bloodborne because I really love being torn apart by massive monsters and really hating myself for not That's my favorite them. game of all time. Right? <laughs> uh, in terms of reading, I would recommend, I mean, I have a nice little op-ed coming out in the Toronto Star tomorrow that everyone should take a look at. So that's one thing. The other thing is absolutely running away from my brain right now. And I can't remember what it is, but I guarantee it was a smart suggestion. 
I can't wait to find out what that last one is. Honestly, if it, if you remember after the show, you send me a message. I'll add it into the notes. Um, Dragon Age is like, I think, one of the best series of all time. I love Origins so much. Oh, hell yeah. I, it's like, I don't care that you can't hear your character and there's no like fancy movements in the in the dialogue. The dialogue trees just go in forever. Mm. You just that get game, lost. So my favorite thing is like I, I'm I, I'm not like full on gamer, but like I I'm a military brat. My parents are both ex military, and so like I grew up on strategy war games. I grew up playing Warhammer, Total War. Uh, I grew up playing Warhammer 40k tabletop, all of that good shit. And I'm like, there's a special place in my heart for anything that makes me uh, suffer as I play it. And the Dragon Age games did a great job of making me <laughs> love and hate them. Yes, that's like the best way of describing it. Um, okay, so I only have one recommendation, and it's it's so egotistical. I was a guest on Kino Lefter, which is a good, good lefty film review podcast by our friend uh, Dr. Movies, a.k.a. Evan McDonald's. He does not like that nickname anymore, but we keep using it. Um, <laughs> we watched uh, the documentary Alex's War, by Alex Jones's people. It's a vanity project. It's horrendous um, and it's erratic and it's awful. But the episode that we recorded was actually pretty good. So <laughs> do that instead of watching that movie. Um, other than that, I mean, I've, I've been trying to play Breath of the Wild while I'm not, you know, burying myself in podcast edits. But uh, one of these days I'm going to beat it. And when that happens, um, we'll, we'll all have a party. All of the podcast listeners all the guests that we've had, <laughs> it'll be great. I'll, I'll buy the pizza. Um, uh, well, uh, I'm working on uh, the uh, a little outlet called the Maples Newsletter uh, this week. I'm writing a couple of them while a friend of the show, Alex Kosh, is on vacation in Medicine Hat, Alberta. So uh, check those out. What else? I don't know. The rehearsal's good. You should watch that. And... Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, that that that's it for me. I'll, I'll recommend my own work, as I always do, um, in the rehearsal. Nathan Fielder's work. Faye, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I'm so sorry. This is such a piece of shit column. I, I felt like this was unfair to you to just be like, "Hi, nice to meet you." You want to read this? <laughs> I honestly like. I I I love that y'all cover this, and I'm honored to be on here. And it, it is like a lot of my work is just trying to get folks to to pay attention to everything trans, and, and y'all did, and so that that means the world. Thank you so much for joining us, Faye. Uh, I had a blast with you. I actually didn't know you uh, before uh, we recorded, and I am very glad I do now. Uh, so thank you so much. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. Good luck, Faye. Bye. It's Big Shiny Takes, the only anti-free speech podcast. Big Shiny Takes, reading garbage for your brain. It's Big Shiny Takes, with Jeremy Eric and Marino. Big Shiny Takes, are sure to entertain, are sure to entertain. <laughs>